Monday. Happy Monday to you and you and you. Happy Labor Day. I hope you didn't have to labor today. Uh, welcome to the Melanated Way. I'm Linda Entwi. We are covering 90 Day Fiance Happily Ever After, Season 7, Episode 2, Truth, The Bitter Truth. And uh, before we get into it, let's do a little bit of housekeeping. Hey, Crystal, Nikki, Connie, JB, what up? Uh, support the show. Bottom of the screen, you can see where you can support the show. Venmo, 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 PayPal, and uh, where else? Cash out. Linda's so girly. As well as there are super chat, super stickers, super thanks available on YouTube. Please feel free to support the show. That being said, let's just jump right into it. You guys, I'm just trying to figure out, because we were only on episode two, if this whole season is just going to be fighting. Because if that's the case, I'm going to need to mentally prepare myself. Do you know what I mean? Every every single episode so far, and there's only been two, it's just constant battling. And it's the same battles that we've seen for like years now. So like, why are we still fighting over the dumbest stuff? I don't understand. Anyways, let's talk about Andre and Elizabeth. They bought a new house. Just call me Waz in the house. Hey, girl. Hey. Uh, guys, we have a special thing we're brewing up with Just Call Me Waz. Make sure you're following her. You guys have your alerts on, all the good things, uh, so that when we put out our little surprise, you guys will be able to be alerted and let us know. And, you know, this is off topic, uh, Just Call Me Waz, because I'm doing my 90-day UK later on tonight. But apparently, you're Richard's biggest fan and you speak his language. I need to talk about that with you, Wa. Like, seriously. I need to talk about it with you because I'm obviously missing something about Richard and the whole his whole vibe. And he told me that you get his vibe. And he also mentioned how many subscribers you had. So there's that part. <laughs> Hey, better days. Yeah, exactly. Per Richard. Just call me while I said, we need to talk offline. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> we will definitely talk offline. I have the receipts to prove it. All right. So uh, Elizabeth and Andre, you know, they bought a house. They're living their American dream. Andre's head to me has gotten a little bit bigger than normal. And that's saying a lot, right? So they want to show off their friend, the house to their friends and family. Andre actually didn't want uh, Elizabeth to invite her family because he didn't want her family there because he didn't want, quote, his intelligent friends to have to deal with their crap. Now, let me tell you a little something, okay, you guys? First of all, who here feels like Andre almost isolates Elizabeth from her family? Second of all, Elizabeth didn't have all these issues with her family until Andre came through. And it's amazing to me that I get it. You're, that's your partner. That's your husband. That's you know, your person for life. But let's think about how much trouble he's caused in this family. He's literally fractured the family. And then he talks crazy to them and she doesn't say anything about it. Listen, y'all, 
what you're not about to do, husband or no husband, is talk crazy to my mama. We all know that's a rule number one. No one talks crazy to your mama. You stand up for your mama. And listen, y'all, I was like, are you just going to stand there and let him say that he perhaps will ban your mother from the house? You better get the F out of here. That's what you're not about to do. You take a deep breath. You take a deep breath right now and you think about what the words coming out of your mouth. Because first of all, you ain't all that. And that's my mama. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So didn't want the family there because his friends are too intelligent. And, you know, if we're going to talk about intelligent levels, then, you know, come on now, Andre, come on now. You're not a rocket scientist. You're not a doctor you know, and no disrespect, but like, let's not act like you're, you know, this superior intellect to everyone else that's around you. You might feel that way because you're in Florida, but like, calm down. So they have the whole event catered. It's like a big deal. Pamela, who is Elizabeth's mom, shows up first with her new husband, Walter. And, you know, Andre greets her. It's all good. He continues to say that he wants to surround himself with successful people like himself because that raises you up. Like, why would you want to hang around with a bunch of losers? Um, Just Call Me Waz says, uh, I'll start here. Yes, I thought Andre was disrespectful to Pam, but also Pam is in denial and crazy about Charlie. Let me tell you something, you guys. They all drink too much. Charlie drinks a lot, but so does Andre, because by the end of this episode, and especially their segment, you could tell the market difference between Andre, who had started drinking while he was cleaning the house, right, getting ready for the party, to the Andre who was drunk by the end of their segment after their party. You can tell the difference. When Andre drinks, he gets more aggressive, more bold, and it's more hostile. And you can 100% say that. Hey, auntie. Auntie's in the house, too. Hey, girl. Hey. Um, <clears throat> Nikki said, hey, wait. We have intelligence people in my state. You just have to seek them out. I mean, okay, Nikki. I believe you. I think if you're in, like, Miami proper, then maybe... But uh, we'll have to chat about that, Nikki. So that being said, um, Chuck arrives, Jen and Becky arrive. And as soon as the whole family's there, you already see that the tension's already there. Jen and Becky already start complaining. They think Andre is an opportunist. They're like, we don't know any of these people. Who are these people? Well, why would you know them, Jen and Becky? It's not like you have a great relationship with Andre. So why would you know any of his friends or any of his people? I I just, I don't know. But because it doesn't work for your narrative, you're going to go ahead and say he's an opportunist. Not that I disagree with you, because I think he is an opportunist. I also think that he's isolating. And those are all red flags, in my opinion. So Libby decides that she's going to show the women the house. They want She wants to go upstairs, show them all the bedrooms, you know, do what you do when you, you're having a housewarming. So they first show Ellie's room, 
Um, and it's cute. It's got this feather lamp thing going on and they want to paint it and all the things. And then they go into the next room, which is the guest slash studio room. Now, Libby has told us last episode that she is going to start her singing career at 31, which, you know, always follow your dreams, always follow your passions, do all the things. I, like I said last episode, did not know she was a singer, knew she was an actress, knew that her mom, Pamela, owns a talent agency, and that's her job. I knew that she did a bunch of Christian movies, knew all that, just didn't know she was a singer. And apparently singing is her passion, so they're building a studio. Now, what we learned this episode is that she wants to sing nursery rhymes. And one of her friends that was invited to the party uh, was a professional singer, Marisol. So Marisol's like, okay, well, break out into song. And you know that anyone who's a singer, people are going to tell you that if you're a singer or rapper or whatever, they're going to say break out into song. And you should be able to do that because you never know who you're singing in front of. You never know who you're sharing your talent with. And if it's indeed your talent, indeed your passion, then you should be able to do it in a moment's notice. Like for me, being an entertainment reporter, journalist, I should be able to create a story off the top of my head. And guess what I can? And guess what I do? On the fly. And if you want me to talk, even if I'm in a shit mood, I can turn it on. And welcome to 90 Day Fiance, The Melanated Way. My name is Linda Entwee, and tonight we're covering 90 Day Fiance, Happily Ever After. Stay tuned. You know what I mean? Like, you just bring it. By the way, you guys, it's hot as hell. Like, I'm sweating. I feel like I'm in, I don't know where, but the heat wave that we're in and the heat advisory we're under, listen, you guys, I have to continue to be a good person because I will not last if I go to hell. I will not last. It will be too hot for me. <laughs> so Marisol's like, hey, break out into song. Libby doesn't want to do it. And Marisol thinks that's weird. She's like, you know, if you're a singer, you're going to sing on demand. And I agree with that. And so as she's explaining, she wants to sing nursery rhymes and she wants to bring Ellie into it. And maybe they can do like a duet. And, you know, there's a market for that. Marisol's like, mm. Jen and Becky are like, Pamela's mm. like, mm. have you put any thought into it? Like, is this going to be something that you actually do to make money or is it just, just a hobby? Like, I don't, I don't get it. Like what, what are you going to do? Have you thought of all the way through? And so Elizabeth, you could see her defenses were coming up a little bit. She was a little bit irritated. Um, and she was just like, you know, yeah, it's like new. It's a new idea, but that's what I want to do. I just want to do what makes me happy. And then she keeps saying that. So she said that last episode. And I'm wondering, just besides work, what else is not making you happy? Because it's clear that you're just not happy in your life. And you feel like if you make this change, besides just working for your dad, that you'll be happier. Well, I'm going to tell you what it is. You're unhappy because your shit husband is isolating you. Before all the other seasons that we've seen this girl, she would be out with her sisters. She would be out with her sister-in-law. She'd be out with her mom. And they would be doing things social. But ever since, your husband is like 
done whatever he's done and isolated you. It's just you and him. And the way he talks to you and the way he talks to you in front of your daughter, it's exhausting. Think of last episode. He's cussing in front of Ellie, cussing in front of Chuck. Like he just has no, you know, as, as an African myself, I just can't imagine the disrespect, especially for your elders and for children. Like, who does that? Who just cusses in front of anyone and just is like, whatever. I'm going to say what I want to say because I'm Andre. You know what I mean? Like, have some respect. And so that's why you're unhappy, Elizabeth. You're unhappy because you haven't been able to do the things that you've normally done in the past. And you don't really have a social life because your husband has isolated you and because your husband is so domineering and controlling you're unhappy that I, i've solved your problem i've solved your problem like just get out do something get a hobby get away from your husband for a little bit so that you can have some zen like Darcy would stay, say, it's all about finding your peace, your love, your joy. Focus on yourself. Shoot for the stars. Be at one with you. You know, you know, Darcy talks. <laughs> so... <clears throat> party's wrapping up and the friends are leaving the families you know around the kitchen andre says i'm so happy there was no drama because everyone kept their mouth shut and i was like um again do you see how he has like no respect he has no respect he just thinks like he's the shit and everyone should listen to anything and everything he says and i find it outrageous and so of course no family Elizabeth party could go unfeathered without a fight. And so Pamela, the mom, she's like really upset that Charlie's been isolated away from the family. So she's upset that Charlie was not invited and she wants Andre and Charlie to bury the hatchet. And Andre says, no, not until he gets help with his issues, his alcohol issues. He's not welcome here. Um, and, you know, he abuses alcohol. You don't see it. You don't understand it. And until he, he fixes that problem, he's not welcome here. I'm not dealing with any of his bullshit. I'm not dealing with any of his issues. And I was like, well, regardless if Charlie drinks a lot, Andre drinks a lot too. And his, the way it comes out in him, it's a little bit different than Charlie. Charlie perhaps gets physical. Andre uses his words and his words are just as daggers as the physical part. Do you see what I'm saying? Like he absolutely 100% drinks a lot. Anytime we've seen him, especially in a, a, a function, he's just as drunk as Charlie. So, you know, what is it? The cat, cat, the cat, the kettle, the cat whatever it is, something the cat calling the kettle black, whatever the saying is, y'all know what I'm trying to say. I never have them proper, but you get what I'm trying to say. So I do also think though that Pamela is in denial, right? So Pamela's the mom, Pamela's gonna 
stick up for her children no matter what. Her, her, her children could be shit and she's going to stick up for them because that's what moms do. Now, she's in denial. Charlie, and I don't know this, allegedly has a drinking problem. We interviewed Charlie on our show and him and Megan were delightful. He was clearly not drunk. And, you know, he talked about the edits and his situation and how sad he was with the, you know, breaking up of his family and all of that stuff, right? And so if you guys want to watch it, it's on my YouTube page. Go check it out. Uh, it was a really great interview. But that being said, everyone has their demons. And so I can't say because I don't know him in real life. Perhaps he drinks a lot. Perhaps he doesn't. I don't know. But what I do know is Andre drinks just as much. So if Pamela wants to deal with the issue, she has to deal with the underlying issue for all of them and especially for her own son. So she should address that first and foremost. But <clears throat> everyone is creating, everyone's saying that Charlie's the issue. So Jen and Becky jump in on it and they agree with Andre. They're surprised they agree with Andre because it's the first time they've ever agreed with him on anything. And they're like all jumping in on Pamela trying to make her understand that Charlie's the issue and his issue is drinking and they don't want to be around that toxicness until he deals with his issue. And I remember last episode, Pamela's like, well, let's just all get together. We'll talk to a counselor and sort it out. But they didn't want to do that. So on the one hand, you're saying Pamela is in denial, but she has given a solution and all of you are against it. So at what point do you deal with the family issues? At what point do we just continue to say, Charlie is the issue, Charlie's the problem, Charlie is toxic, and that's it, and we're just going to ignore him? Or are you going to actually want to deal with the issue? She asked for counseling, you said no. She asked for a couple of hours all in the same room, you guys said no. So what is your solution? Explain it. Yeah, hey, Stevie. Stevie said Chuck called her mother of the year, which I think is interesting because, you know, that's your son too. So if you want to say Pamela's in denial, Chuck is also in denial because Chuck chose Andre over his own son, Charlie. That says a lot. So are you father of the year? You chose a random over your flesh and blood. And have you helped him with the issues? So if you think he has an issue... Have you helped him or instead did you kick him out of the family business and brought Andre in to mentor instead and started introducing Andre to all of your people because you have a man crush on him? Make that make sense. And then wonder why Charlie's bitter. Okay. So Andre freaks out because that's what he does, especially when he's drinking and says, Charlie's not welcome in his house, in his home. He's the king of the castle and says to Pamela to her face. So if you don't like it and you don't listen to me, then you're gonna be banned from the house too. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? You are not about to talk to my mama that way. And you're gonna tell her that she's banned from my house because you say if she doesn't listen to you, then she's not welcome there. Get the, you know what, you guys? I'm really trying not to cuss very much. I'm keeping my cussing for 90 Day UK and maybe, you know, Seeking Sister Wife. 
I'm really trying not to guess, but like Andre, seriously. I mean, I just couldn't be with someone that is that controlling. I couldn't. Couldn't do it. I would have to. I would have to have a, a serious conversation with, with my partner if he was running amok and talking crazy to my family. Couldn't do it. Couldn't. Wouldn't. Shouldn't. All right, <clears throat> Jenny and submit. Okay, so here's my thing, you guys. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Why are we having the same exact fight? Like we didn't all just see the previous season that were they were on. I don't understand it. I don't understand Samit's mom acting like she has a, having a brain fart and doesn't remember all the things she said, including that she loved Jenny and that she wasn't going to bless them being together, but she wasn't going to stop it either. That lovely little walk that they went on, like what? So are you like, are you a crazy person? Do you have memory lapses? Do you black out? Like, what is happening? That's my first issue. My second issue is Jenny and Samit, y'all have been together forever. On and off. You've gone through the catfishing. You've gone through his lies. And, you know, this fool lies all day, every day. You've gone through him marrying someone else behind your back. You've gone through him getting stolen out of the secret apartment that you guys shared. You've gone through having a secret wedding because he didn't want to really tell his family still. And yet here we still are 10 years in the making. Like how much can one person take? I have to tell you that I'm just not that good of a person. I'm not. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. Fool me three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times. Then, Jenny, that's on you. So, we open their scene by Samit's mom freaking out. She's freaking out as if she doesn't know and everyone is against her. And she can't believe it. She can't believe her son has married this woman and how dare how dare he? How dare he do this to me? You put me through so much hell in this life. You made me cry my whole life. How? How could you do this to me? Oh, fuck that up. What? It's been 10 years. She says, how long have you even known each other? 10 years. Y'all used to be besties. She used to live in your house. You two used to hang out together. What do you even talk about how long? You should know how long. It's been 10 years. Your fool of a son catfished her, brought her over. She stayed in your house. She stayed in, in the extra bedroom. Yeah, she would sneak upstairs to get some hanky-panky with your son that you didn't know about. But don't act like she just came here yesterday and now your feelings are hurt. And like you didn't know that they were going to eventually get married because they've been talking about it for how many years? I, I, and I'm sorry, how is this about you again? I can't believe it. You won't be invited to anything. Not our funerals. Nothing. I was like, are you pre-disinviting your son to your own funerals? Is that what's happening right now? Because I personally think you're being ridiculous. I can't believe that. 
You've made me cry my whole life. I can't oh God. Okay. What? What? Now, don't come for me. I know all about the cultural differences. I completely understand it, you guys, and I understand how important family is. <sighs> it's not that. Okay. It's not what Samit's mom is doing is not that. In my opinion, she doesn't want to be replaced. She wants to be the number one in her son's life. She wants she wants to make all the decisions, even though Samit is a grown ass man, but Samit has no backbone. Nikki says, I think there must be some horrible cultural backlash for Samit's mother where she can't show her face in her community because of her son's choices. I hated when she was making fun of Jenny's arms. Um, I mean, there is the caste system in India and there is that cultural difference, you guys, but she is taking it to a whole other level. She's taking it to a whole other level. Okay, this is not just about the cultural differences. In my opinion, it's about what she wants and what she wants for Samit. And she just does not want Jenny to be in his life, even though she's been in his life for the past 10 years. So the other thing I was not impressed with is Jenny doesn't know what's going on, right? Because Samit's not translating. They were trash talking her. And it wasn't actually Jenny's, it wasn't actually Samit's mom that made fun of Jenny and body shamed her. It was Samit's sister-in-law. The mother made fun of Jenny trying to speak Hindi. And then the sister came back, uh, sister-in-law came back and body shamed Jenny and her arms. And then the two women, like mean girls, started laughing. Now, here's the shitty thing. Your husband sits there and hears all of that. Not only is he not translating so that Jenny can understand what's going on, he doesn't stand up for Jenny. He just sits there. I don't, I just couldn't, I couldn't have a man that doesn't support me and stand up for me. And I understand that that's your, your parents and you're not going to ever really stand up to them at any point and, and have a background and uh, grow some kunas. But at the same time, if that's your wife, that's your partner that you chose to be with and walk the journey of life with. If you don't stand up for her, who will? That being said, as I keep saying, Jenny and Samit have been together for 10 years. Okay, she's living in India now. So she's immersed in the language and in the culture. Jenny, why do you not speak a lick of Hindi? Why? How is that possible? How do you go grocery shopping? How do you go to the mall? How do you go to the coffee shop? So you're not, you, not a lick of Hindi? And you've been with Samit for 10 years? And you live in India? Thank you. She needs to learn the language. How do you not know? How do you not know the language by now? It's blowing my mind. It's blowing my mind. Okay? I, I, just, I just don't get it. I don't get it. A lot of people in California <clears throat> speak Spanish. Have I picked up a little bit of Spanish? Yes, I have. 
if I have a cocktail or two, am I fluent in Spanish? Some people might say that I am. <laughs> Anyways. Jenny's hurt um, that, you know, the mom's denying that she said, I love you and that you would not, you know, bless us, but you would not block us. So Jenny's feelings are hurt about that. The mom is still on a tangent, says, you will pay for your actions in your next life as you are basically disowned. And that's Samit's biggest fear. Samit's biggest fear is to be disowned by his family and literally says that he doesn't know how to exist without his mom. He doesn't know how to exist without his mom. So the last 10 years, if you can't exist with your mom, then why did you make these life choices, right? It's because you say you love Jenny, but then you don't stick up for your wife. And it's been the same battle that we've all seen for the last million seasons. And yet here we are. We didn't think that you guys were going to make it down the aisle. You finally were like, okay, okay, okay. After Jenny begged you for year on 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 end, that was annoying. It meant to be annoying because it was annoying to us. Like just do it or don't do it. So now you finally get married and we're still back having the same issues about your parents. I thought that by the time you got married, you obviously drew your set, your line in the sand and your line said that you chose Jenny. Which brings me to the mom. So <clears throat> he says he can't exist without his mom. And without his mom, he's going to be an outcast in India. The mom goes on to say, you know, don't show your face around me. I don't want to see you. And he's like, well, will you ever accept her? And she says, no. And then he's like, are you sure? Will you ever change your mind? And she's like, no. And then the mom says, you're happy with her, right? And he's silent. Doesn't answer. Because again, in my opinion, he ain't got no backbone. Okay. Then she goes on to say, she's the number one in your life. Okay. Then stay happy with her. Give her all your happiness. We don't need it. I don't need it. Your dad doesn't need it. Your sister-in-law doesn't need it. Your brother-in-law doesn't need it. And again, do you see what I'm saying, you guys? It sounds to me like it's more of a jealousy thing. It sounds to me like she wants to be the center. Because who says that to their, their child? Says, hey, you know what? You want to be happy in a happy marriage? Then F you. Keep your happiness. Keep it with the wife. Keep it with your partner. Whatever it is that you're going to do, we don't need it. Plus, don't show your face because you did something that I don't want you to do. And you did it without my blessings. Listen here, Sadna. He's been begging you for years for your blessing. And you said no. And then finally, last season, did you forget that you said, I won't bless it, but I won't stop it. And now today, you're so surprised, feelings hurt, so angry. You're crying all over the place, making the biggest scene as if you were shocked and appalled. Like, this wasn't 10 years in the making. <sighs> okay. Got it. Got it. Don't know. Don't like it. 
So the brother Amit and the sister-in-law Shri, they're not happy, but again, they didn't stick up for Sumit either. They just sat there and they're upset that Sumit did this without telling them. And they're worried because, quote, it's going to be hard for his mom. People will make fun of her. Now, people are going to make fun of her because Sumit married a woman that's older than, than she is. And so they're going to make fun of her. Listen, you guys, you can't live your life like that. And I understand it's it's the caste system, and I understand that there are societal pressures, but at the same time, there's no way that you're gonna make everyone happy in life. People are gonna make fun of you. People are going to not talk about you. And being in India or no India, at the end of the day, don't you just want your family to be happy, whatever that looks like? And should you maybe get outside of the societal pressures and norms because there's just no way you're going to make any everyone happy. Um, so so Miss Mom is like, you know what? I never accepted Jenny. I never gave my permission. Um, and Summit is choosing Jenny over her. And again, that's why I believe she's making it about herself and making it about what she wants. And she wants to be the center of Sumit's attention. I think it goes deeper than just being made fun of in a society that's not going to accept Jenny. Okay. Cause if it was just that, then, you know, Jenny and Sumit walk around India all day, every day, it would be an issue there. And Jenny would feel it and Sumit would feel it, but they've been roller skating traveling, going to the beach, all the things, and having a grand old time and not seemingly having issues. So <sighs> Sly Cat says, y'all, Sumit is living off of Jenny's social security retirement check, which goes pretty far in India. I honestly think he's with her so that he doesn't have to work. Because what does he do? Since he, since he catfished her and was in the call center way back when when we first met them, have you all ever known him to have a job? I haven't. He's 30 what, three? And he doesn't work and hasn't worked? So the two of you are living off of Jenny's social security? Then what? Then what? So, <clears throat> um, Santa freaks out. They all get up and they all leave. Samit goes running after his mom. He tries to hug her and tries to explain to her, like, what can we do to make this better? And I just, you know, I love you. and I just want to be with you. And I just want everything to be good. And, you know, the mom is like giving him the cold shoulder. Meanwhile, Jenny's in the house and she's upset and she's freaking out. So by the time that Samit comes back, they're, they sit across from each other and they're like, you know, having a starting to have an argument because Jenny's pissed off that, hey, this all happened. I said it wasn't a good idea. And look, here we are. Then Jenny freaks out, you guys. And it's the first time that I saw real aggression, not only in her eyes, but in her body language. And she looked like she was going to hit Samit. Like she just lunged to him as if she was going to hit him, put hands on him. You don't put paws on people, y'all. Keep your hands to yourself. So she storms out. 
And she freaks all the way out, you guys. All the way out. She freaks out. I can't believe it. And you're going to choose your, your mom over me. And you have ah! Like, just freaks out. And my note is, why are we still here, though? Why are we still here? This is the exact same friggin' argument that we've been having for years. Why are we still here? I feel like I'm in some weird, warped loop. Some reality TV loop. The Jenny and Samit loop that we just all can't get out of. And we're going to continue to have this same loop that she's going to say that you choose your family. You don't love me. You want to be with me. You want to stick up for me. And your family's not going to accept me. And the marriage. And we shouldn't. Uh, like, oh my goodness, you guys. For how long? For how long? Y'all have been together for 10 years. How are we having the same stupid argument? Something has to give. So... She goes and like tries to slam the door and then Smit comes in and she pushes him. He grabs her by her arms and she's pointing and shaking and wagging her finger in his face. You get away from me forever. Okay. Jenny, we know you ain't going nowhere. We've been there, done that, been there, done that. You're going to threaten and say you're going to go back home and you're not going to go anywhere. And now you're saying stay away from me forever. But again, I don't see you packing any bags, trying to book any type of trips to just be out of here. So this is all the theatrics. And also, too, being aggressive, looking like you're about to hit him. So he's trying to say, calm down. You know, you're here to support me. And, you know, don't behave like this. You know, don't take your frustrations out on me. Well, Samit, I would be frustrated too. Maybe I wouldn't handle it the way Jenny handles it. But like, I'm frustrated right now that I have to hear the same argument over and over again. Like, what is the storyline here, y'all? It's the same storyline that even if I closed my eyes and went back in time and watched another episode of Jenny and Samit, guess what? It's the same argument. It's the same argument. So then, because you guys know that I get distracted, I was super like, oh, God, this is super irritating. I don't know if I can take a whole season of us just acting like this is this is not a new problem. And then there was this huge blue clock in the middle of the bed that I was like, is that a wall clock on the bed like it's a pillow? Why is it there? You know, like, Why? So then I got distracted thinking about all these different things about what the clock means and why the clock was on the bed and did they not see it was there and why it's not mounted and is the time even accurate? Is it supposed to be a metaphor for us stuck in time? Because that's what it is. The frigging clock is a metaphor that we're stuck in this same fucking argument for the past 10 years. Okay, so they go back and forth and Smith had the audacity to say that Jenny had the option not to come. No, she didn't. You were like, you have to come as my wife and support me, yada, yada, yada. Even though Jenny says, you know, A, I don't want to go and B, this is not a good idea. You brought this upon yourself, my friend. 
So Jenny starts crying because the parents hate her. And, you know, this is not an easy situation for her to be in. And so she cries. Now, I unfortunately have to talk about my least favorite character of all time. Well, one of them. Ed and Liz. So they're, you know, at a wedding shop thinking that they're wedding dress shopping, which I thought was weird because, you know, why would you be with your fiance, right? It's supposed to be like a girl's thing, but really they're dog shopping and the dog, the new dog is Leon and Leon's going to be the ring bearer. So they bought him a little ring bearer's outfit. They've been engaged for four months. Um, and, you know, they've been off and on, as we all know, off and on. And I, I just, I'm trying to think of what the meaning of happily ever after is, right? To me, 90 day fiance happily ever after means you already went through the before the 90 days, then you went through the 90 day process and that, which means you got married and then happily ever after means this is what's happening since you got married. But this season seems to just mean like what? Cause these two didn't go through any of that and they're not even married and they're barely like they're these two aren't gonna make it and i feel terrible because i love love and i want everyone to find their person but this ain't it okay for the simple fact that he brags about how many times he broke up with liz it just tells you where his mindset is and it tells you who he is as a person and the simple fact that he has not had a real relationship since he was married way back in his 20s, also goes to show you the type of individual Ed is. Okay, so they're talking about, you know, since they've been engaged, it's no more on again, off again. It's more just on. And she's like, yeah, I fell in love with Ed versus Big Ed, which makes all the sense, right? Because Big Ed is a whole different beast. So that being said, she's like, Hey, yeah, I let my guard down. And, you know, I fell in love with him. He says that, you know, part of the, his issues were he was insecure. Yes. He was jealous. Yes. And that affected the relationship. Yes. Plus he had a big head, not literally, but figuratively speaking, he thought he was a superstar because he was on reality TV, he thought his shit didn't stink. He thought he could get any woman that he walked into a room and pointed at. And, you know, he's been problematic. So for him to even get to this point is fascinating to me. So the fact that they fought a lot and they broke up. And let me tell you something, you guys, if you follow any of their social media, that shit was like crazy. The friend saying, Richard saying that, you know, Liz tried to destroy him. Yes. Did he try to destroy her? Yes. Terrible. They said terrible things about each other and did terrible things to each other and let that shit go all, all social media. She even started a change.org and talk shit and had people sign it. And she tried to cancel him. And yet now we're supposed to sit here and believe that y'all are TMZ'd engaged and happy and 
he went to therapy for six months and he thinks he's reformed and fixed. You have 56 years of being fucked up, Ed, and you think six months has changed who you are? Okay. Okay. So he reminds us all that he broke up with Liz eight times via text. Um, and then his do dog, Teddy, died. And she was the one that was the first to reach out to him. And that's how they started talking again. And so now, you know, they're going to get married. So they're checking out a venue for their engagement party. And Liz has brought along two of her friends, Tanya and J-Lo. They're her best friends. And they're also going to be her bridesmaids. And, you know, part of the problem is a lot of her friends don't approve of this engagement. None of Ed's family approves of the engagement. He's not talking to anyone even. Can you imagine his cute, sweet mother is no longer living at the house, doesn't approve of this engagement, this marriage or nothing, and he's not really talking to his mom because of it? He chose Liz? Okay. Okay. So again, for the second time of their segment, he needed to remind us of the eight breakups that they went through. And one of the friends, I don't know who it was, Tanya or JLo, was like, what makes this time different? And Ed says, you know, he he's grown as a person. He's learned to deal with his issues. Um, he says that Liz is the one that he wants to be with. And she says that he's shown her love that she's never seen before. And the two of them are just so in love and their love is like so unique. Is it though? Uniquely eight times, like you like to continue to remind us that you broke up with her eight times. You are not breaking up with me eight times. One time, cool. Maybe twice, maybe. But what you're not about to do is disrespect and humiliate. So every time you're you're mad, you break up with me, and then I'm supposed to take you back. I mean, where's your self-respect, Liz? I don't know. Oh, I know. It's on a reality show. T, that's right. T says she needs therapy because what trauma has her thinking this is love? That part. I call shenanigans too. I think it's all because, hey, listen, we want to continue to move forward in this whole 90-day franchise. Let's make this happen. How can we make this happen? Because they, when they had that last bitter breakup, how was Ed going to, what was he going to do? He already did his single life. He can't be on single life again. Well, I guess he can continue to try to date, but all his dates on single life were fake. They were all made up. There was no way that that girl in Mexico was ever going to be with him. There was no way that the girl in Vegas was ever going to be with him. And there was no way that other girl was ever, they, none of them wanted to be with him. And I think that was a dose of reality for him, realizing on national TV that none of these all girls, none of them want to be with you. You thought you were all that, and guess what? You're not. Oh, so how am I going to continue to be on this franchise? Oh, I'm going to say... Liz, Liz has always been the one. I've always loved her. Oh my God, I'm so sick of this already. So 
so Ed says he's grown, he's dealt with his issues, and you know, there's an issue with his mom. His mom feels that Ed picked Liz over her, and you know, the mom is out of the house. And that's a problem for Ed because, you know, what is he going to do? Oh, my God, there are so many couples to cover. What is he going to do? Well, he's going to choose Liz. And he's not only going to choose Liz, but tomorrow he's going to meet with his friend Richard, who apparently he's known for 15 years because he's also not been talking to Richard because Richard thinks this whole thing is ridiculous. He thinks the two of them are selfish and toxic for each other. And so he doesn't support it. So they decide that they're going to meet at night in a dark park. Weird. Haven't seen each other in like four months. Um, you know, they haven't said a lot. They haven't spoken. They haven't talked about their feelings. And Richard's like, hey, listen, I'm always going to tell you the truth. You know, you and I used to be best friends. And he thinks that Liz is an opportunist and she's not in this for the right reasons. And, you know, this person tried to destroy you. So Richard says all of this to Ed. And Ed is like, well, you know, I tried to destroy her too. And I went to therapy for six months and we were separated for six months. And I want to be with her. I choose Liz. So you're not going to listen to anything that your friend just said that actually makes sense. You're just going to be like, hey, by the way, I broke up with her eight times, but I went to therapy for six months. And then we were separated for six months and now it's a good idea. Okay. He decides that he's going to choose her over everyone and either the friend and the family have to accept it or they don't. But whatever the case may be, because he wants to continue to be on 90 Day Fiance and continue to, to feel like he's a superstar and a super reality star so he can continue to make his cameos and do all those weird videos, he's going to continue on this journey. And so if that means that he's going to marry Liz until they get to the altar and then they're going to have a big fight and break up, so be it. At least we'll all get to watch. Uh, Jovi and Yara, uh, the least problematic so far. Um, you know, I like these two. I like these two. I think they've grown together in their parenthood. Um, and I hope that they work out, you know, their small little issues because the issues that they're having are, are quite small. All they have to do is make time for each other. Go on. And this is what they did. So make a date night or a date date, date day. And they went to a vineyard. They're going to go to a winery, do some wine tasting and, you know, have some to me time, together time, family time and couple time all wrapped up into one which is important, right? Because Jovi is away for work one month and then is home for one month and back and forth. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, it's very important. Hey, Joslo, it's important for them to also make time. And it's important for all of us, anyone that's in a relationship to make time for your partner. That's what it's all about is making time so that you guys can continue to grow together in the same direction. When you don't make time, you grow apart. And that's when, you know, the devil is in the details. Okay, so one of the things we learn on their way to the vineyard is that Yara and Gwen got into an argument about her not coming over when Jovi's out of town 
not babysitting, not talking so much. And, you know, it all started with Jovi leaving for a month for work and Gwenda didn't go see Yara or Mila the whole time. And Yara's like, hey, listen, I'm here by myself. I have no one. And, you know, I only have Mrs. Gwen. I only have Mrs. Gwen to be with. And she didn't come see me one, one time. And I understand that she doesn't have to, but like, I need help. And she's like, you know, I love being a mom and I chose being a mom and I love and all the things. And yet, you know, it takes a village. And especially when you're by yourself and you don't really know anyone and you're new to the country and all the things. So she told Jovi how she was feeling and Jovi got mad at Gwen for not being there for Yara. And so Yara hasn't talked to Miss Gwen in six months. And I was like, you know, no, you guys have gone through so much. You guys have to figure it out because Gwen and Yara together is hilarious. And if you see any of their social media stuff, you know, I'm hoping that this is just a storyline because they're hilarious together. What a great mother, mo mother-in-law, daughter-in-law, mother-in-law, daughter situation. Um, they're hilarious together and they're great with Myla. So whatever this is, fix it. You should not not talk to her. And if you're upset, pick up the phone. It takes two to tangle. Pick up the phone and say, hey, listen, my feelings are hurt. I would love to see you. Or And she doesn't drive, or she does drive now, but she didn't drive then. But make a way. Make a way to get there. Figure it out, because this is some nonsense. This is how when you have a small problem and you don't fix it, it becomes a bigger and bigger and a bigger problem. And the longer you let it fester, the worse it gets. <sighs> Nikki says, isn't it Yara's responsibility to find other young moms to hang with? It's not that hard. Well, it's kind of hard when you don't know where to start, when you don't drive, when uh, you don't have your green card, so you can't go and explore and do all the things. So it, it makes it a little hard. I think sometimes people forget, you know, being an immigrant and being brand new to the country and brand new to an area and then by yourself is hard. Like, I guess you could look online and find, you know, a mom's group or whatever. And then what, take the bus there with Mila at toe and all her stuff. And like, and I know it can happen and people do it all the time. I, I, I just, I think there's gotta be an easier way. It's gotta be an easier way. Um, so <clears throat> now Yara, Jovi and Mrs. Gwen all are having an issue. I think they need to squash it immediately. And Yara's just talking about how she's used to moms and mom-in-laws coming over all the time without asking, just, you know, being there. Um, so she's not used to, like, just being alone. It's very hard. T. Geds says... It's very hard. My cousin just moved back to her hometown and is struggling to find mom friends because she's been consumed with raising two boys. Yeah, you guys, it's not that easy to make friends even as an adult. And I think that if you, you know, don't already have like a community, you obviously can make friends as an adult. It's just harder. And then, you know, put a kid on top of that. It's harder because you're either in a community where it's like parents and, and couples or it's an adult that's single that's not with they don't have kids and it's, it's just it's a lot to maneuver it can be done i'm just saying it's hard so 
They're all fighting. It's the first big fight that Jovi's ever had with his mom. Fix it, Jovi. Make up with your mom. Call her. Do it now. Do it immediately, if not sooner. This is not something that should be a huge fight, right? I think it's a misunderstanding. And I also think that Miss Gwen doesn't want to feel like she's um, forced to babysit. She wants to be a grandma and spend time with, but she doesn't want to be like, oh, this is my job where I'm supposed to babysit Myla at your beck and whim. I think that that's not what she wants, right? So it's just a misunderstanding that we can all fix if we just use our communication and our words. Um, you know, Yara's feeling a little homesick. She doesn't have her green card yet. You know, Ukraine is at war. So it's so long since she's been home. She doesn't know when she's going to be home. She doesn't know when she gets to see her mom again. Um, so all of this is just making it very hard. She's feeling lonely and isolated. And, you know, she wants to talk about it. She wants, she wants her peoples around her. And so they're at this winery. I thought it was funny because the owner of the wine, owners of the winery come out and they're trying this wine and they call it the poor man's champagne. And I thought that was hilarious. And so they're going to walk around. Joby's like, is this going to take a while? I'm going to go grab the bottle, which is right up Jovi's alley, right? And so they're walking, they're talking. Yara wants to get a boob job. And what's interesting is last episode, Yara said that Jovi told her friends that Jovi made fun of her boobs. Do you remember that? So that they were not attractive. Do you remember her saying that, you guys? Because here, jo Jovi was nothing but supportive Jovi's like, you know what? I still, I think you look great naked. He said, you know, obviously it's different from before, but I still think you're beautiful. I still love the way you look. Uh, I, I still love having sex with you. I think you're sexy. I think you look great. He was saying all of these positive reinforcements to his wife who's feeling insecure after breastfeeding for 17 months. And I was like, girl, did you, did you make... Joey to be the villain last episode and he's not the villain because here he's just saying all the right things to help you with your esteem but you're telling your friends that he said mean things and that that's why you guys are fighting all the time and not having a lot of sex is because he said those mean things to you I think that was all in your head I think that you're feeling insecure because I was like hmm, I just remember watching last week so is he supportive or is he not supportive? Whatever it is, he's like, you know what? If you're doing this for you and you want to, you know, get a boob job because it'll make you feel better, then I'm all for it. But if you're doing it because your friends have them and, you know, you want to do what they have, then, you know, that's not really what it's about or what it should be about. Now on to Usman and Kim. My question of the day for you guys, and if you're watching the replay, let me know in the comments. If you're in the live chat, let me know. As a female, would you propose to your partner? I just want to know. As a female, would you propose to your partner? I'm curious what, what your thoughts are on that. And while you guys let me know your comments, uh <sighs> Kim, 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 and Usman. 
Usman wants to remind us that he's an international superstar. He's superstar, international soldier boy. And his goal in life is he wants to be the most famous human on earth. And he likens himself to Michael Jackson, where at that point I had to pause my TV and just take a moment because I cannot name one Michael Jackson song where he auto-tuned the fuck out of the song. Can't, can't say it. Can't say it. And I can't actually even say if I remember Michael Jackson ever self-proclaiming that he's an international superstar. Because, you guys, you know there are very, very few international celebrities. I probably can name maybe five that the whole world knows. Michael Jackson was one of them. Okay. Soldier Boy. Do you even have an album out? Like, can I go to Spotify and find more than one song or two songs? Oh my, do you have a record label? Like I, okay, don't get me started. So anyways, I press play. He continues to say that he keeps having success in his music, but he has not have been having sex. Sex, yeah, that part, that part too. We know you haven't been having sex, not with any of the people that you say you were with. At least, he has not been having <laughs> success <laughs> in his love life, though. That was hilarious. Okay, so success in his music career, not successful in his love life. It's been difficult for him. Uh, he was once married to an older woman, he says. Yeah, we all know. We watched the show, you idiot. Why are you acting like we don't know that you were once married to baby girl Lisa? And you guys notice that he didn't say her name not once, not once, as if we don't know. So he was once married to an older woman. Um, you know, he loved Zara, he said, but Zara broke up with him and he reached out to her to see if she, he still had feelings for her. And then he said he doesn't. And he realized when he reached out to her that he didn't, that he missed Kimberly. Now, I want to tell you guys something. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. For the simple fact that we're in a brand new season and you brought up Zara again, something's going to happen with Zara this season. I don't know what, but my gut is is predicting that something's going to happen because clearly you could have said you were once married to an older woman, you're in a relationship with another woman that you love and neither of those things worked out, but you specifically mentioned Zara. So I believe that something's going to happen with Zara this this season not sure what but something and i'll tell you before i even move on the simple fact that he's still looking for a younger woman to be a second wife to bear his children and then when he met with his brother and his brother was like well why can't you just meet a young american woman and have babies with her see get what i'm putting down here i don't think we're done with zara quite yet okay so <clears throat> he says he misses kimberly and so he invited Kim to come to Nigeria and he feels like she's the one for him because she's loyal and she supports him and 
he's not going quote after beauty or sexy he's going for loyalty and her support and also for the simple fact that he didn't say this i'm throwing this in for the simple fact that oh you're trying to get to america so that you can continue your dream of becoming an international superstar and you know your name known in every household the only way you can get there in your mind is through this k1 visa so you tried it with because think about the people that he goes for he only goes for older white women okay if it was truly important for him to you know, be a family man, then I don't think that he would be doing what he's doing exactly. I think he obviously wants to come to America. He wants to um, have his music career and he's using these older women that he, you know he's going to dump. You know he's going to dump once he has his green card. You know he's not going to be an international superstar in America living in San Diego and stay with his wife. No, he's going to see all these girls on the boardwalk. He's going to go, you know, downtown San Diego and be like, yeah, wait, what? Who's married? What, what? He's not even married to Kimberly right now. And look at what he's done to her. He's already calling other women. Stop it. Stop it. So, and then the simple fact that he literally is like trying to give Kimberly a compliment on the one hand, but he's also completely talking shit about her. So yeah, she's her great qualities. She's loyal and she supports me. And I'm obviously not looking for sexy or beauty or because if I was, I wouldn't be with her. Can you imagine? So you're saying that you love this woman and she's the one for you, but you don't find her sexy or beautiful. Get out of here. Uh, Melody says, I would not propose to a man because I need the man to be ready to commit for real. He needs to ask me so I know it's real. That's a good point. Uh, Teaches, I'm not proposing to my partner, not any time, not any day, not for all the money in the world. <laughs> Thank you guys for your feedback. Appreciate it. So, Muhammad, is his brother. He's meeting with his brother, Muhammad. I do want to say one more thing. So, Usman says his family knows about Kim, and he's worried that they'll compare her to baby girl Lisa. Well, obviously, they're obviously going to do that because you have a pattern in the history of the women that you decide that you are trying to use. They're always older. They're always white. And, you know, you have a pattern. So, of course, of course, they're going to compare her. She may be a completely different person, but of course, of course they are. So he's talking to his brother once again, which we've seen him do this with baby girl Lisa, where he needs his older brother, um, which is true, you know, the, the eldest and the family is always like, know the help the head but he needs his older brother to talk to his mom to get the blessing so that they can get engaged and i'm sure the mom's gonna be like haven't weren't we just here didn't we just do this didn't didn't she have blonde hair what you need my blessing again for for what 
how is this going to be any different than what happened last time? Right? Because the blessing is like the blessing under God, blessing in the family. You, how many blessings is, is, is Isman going to have? Honestly. Honestly. So, um, <clears throat> Muhammad's like, you know, what do you want from Kim? Like, what are your next steps? And this is how he answers. Isman says, there's a visa that's going to be given to him. A visa is going to be given to him. And then he's going to get married in the U.S. The brother's like, well, is she your age? And he's like, why? Like, why, why are you with her? And the brother goes on to say, why can't you go to the U.S. and marry a young lady and produce children? And Usman just sits there because he can't say, well, because I'm using her to get a green card. And any young woman is not going to allow me to actually just use her and come over to America because she's going to want a real relationship and she's probably going to want to have kids. But if I go after an older woman, you know, past her childbearing years and I give her a little bit of attention, then she's going to think that I, I want to be with her. And then she's going to not only, his words, be given a visa but he will also be able to get married and come to the United States. That's why. And so the brother says, and then what? Like, are you going to not, you're getting older. You're not getting any younger. Like, are you ever going to settle down and have kids? And Usman's response is that he's going to get another wife when he feels ready. And the brother's like, well, most Americans don't want that. And Usman's like, oh, but Kimberly's okay with it. She can't deny me my joy and happiness. And the brother's like, are you sure? And he said, yes. And then the brother's like, well, who will be the first wife, right? Obviously the first wife is going to be the one that, that has your kids. Now, remember earlier on when I said how Usman says some shitty things about Kimberly, but he makes it like so smooth as if he's not saying anything shitty at all. Number one, he's not marrying her because she's beautiful or sexy. Number two, why are you getting married? Like, what do you want from her? He wants to be given a visa and get married to come to the U.S. Number three, I'm going to have a second wife she can't deny me my joy and happiness. So why are you with Kimberly if she doesn't bring you this joy and happiness, but this mysterious second wife is going to bring you this joy and happiness? Do you see that, you guys? Do you see how shitty he actually really thinks about her? I think it's terrible. And if you just listen to his words, it's like he doesn't give a shit about anyone but himself and what he wants and what he wants to do and his agenda. And meanwhile, there's a whole woman who clearly is, you know, in love with you and is doing all the things for you, buys you gifts, takes all these trips to see you. You know, you don't even meet her halfway somewhere. You like go to where you're going for either work or she has to come to you to Nigeria. You know what I mean? Like, why is that? Why can't you leave the African continent? Why? How can you be an international superstar if you can't fucking leave Africa? Oh, but you're going to, oh, oh, got it. 
you're going to be given a visa. Okay. <sighs> so he's hoping that if Muhammad talks to his mom and explains to his mom, yeah, I'm marrying this old woman. She'll be wife number one, but I'm going to take on a second wife that then the mom will give the blessings. That's like, again, maybe the fifth thing that is super shitty of him to say. So you're only going to get the blessing by saying that you're actually going to have a second, younger, hotter wife that you think is sexy and beautiful. But first we got to get through this wife. Do you see how messed up this whole, it's the whole thing is just completely messed up. Um, and then there was that, you know, the part that I was like, oh, Kimberly, you seem like you're like a nice person. Uh, I think you're being a little too defensive to your friends and to your family because you know that there's something wrong with this situation, but you want to hold on to it because whatever it is, is making you feel good about yourself. But you really know deep down inside that this is a shit situation that you should not do it. And all the people telling you you should not do it is making you even more defensive. But her son, Jamal, who everyone thinks is hot, uh, arrived from New York City. And it was a special moment because, as we know, uh, Kimberly's mom, Jamal's grandma, Sally, passed away uh, earlier this year. So this was like a special, you know, almost like a tribute to see her and talk and hear her talk and stuff. And by the way, Kimberly and Sally, they have the same diction and voice. Did you guys notice that? Like, they, you could tell mother and daughter are like the same. So Kimberly hasn't told her mom or Jamal about proposing to Isman and applying for the K-1 visa. And so she tells them and Jamal is absolutely not for it. And the mom is like, mm, I don't even know him. Like, are you sure you want to do this? <sighs> and, you know, you've only gone on three trips or this will be your third trip. Like, do you really know this man? Like, why would you, why are you rushing? Jamal says. And why are you talking about marriage? And, you know, what about Zara? Which is the second time they brought up Zara's name. That's why I really feel like this that part's not over yet. And, you know, they flash back to Usman calling Zara and photo of Zara and all the things. And, you know, apparently Kimberly forgave him for that. And, you know, wants to marry him. And Jamal's like, you know, I don't support an engagement. Um, I think that he needs to get a to get a visa to get here, and that's why a light bulb went off in my mind. Like, oh, so he can only come here if he gets that visa, and he's going to get that visa through you. So Kim's like, you know what? I should listen to M Jamal, but I'm not going to. I want to live my life the way I want to live it. And she got really super defensive, and I was like, you know, Kimberly. There are red flags, a lot of them, a lot of them. And it's unfortunate that you are going to ignore them because that will absolutely come around and bite you in the ass. Last, Bilal and Shida. I don't know. I think I have a different opinion of, than a lot of you guys. So you guys let me know what you think. But what I took away from this situation is I think that Shida was the one in the wrong. I think she came in guns a blazing, super defensive, ready to fight Shahida. And I think that she over blew that whole um, prenup situation. Now, 
is it she does business it's only her business when it comes to she wants to protect her children and the future and legacy of her children so in that sense yes it's her business but if she's talking just specifically about herself then obviously she's excellent she's that's for a reason but i think shida was wrong in this situation um i think that she came in to the coffee situation with a shit attitude and and trying to almost stake her claim as in she's the wife and this is my house and you're going to do what I'll like all that. If she came in really like with peace and love and okay, I'm going to hear you out. I think that whole situation would have gone a totally different way. So I personally think that she was being defensive and you know, Bilal doesn't want this situation to get toxic and he doesn't want to have a toxic environment for his children. He wants peace. And, you know, this whole prenup thing was was the issue, right? That was the issue that threw Shida off. And honestly, that's the underlying issue. She's mad, in my opinion. Not that Shahida wants to protect the children. And not that Shahida was, quote, approaching her aggressively and bullying her and having the upper hand as an American. I don't think it's any of that stuff, you guys. I think that Shida feels a little bit jealous of the fact that not only does Shahida have a 10-year history um, with Bilal, but she has two kids by him. And and it wasn't obviously an issue. Like, they decided they were going to have kids. And now that, that she's the wife and her biggest priority and, and want and need is to have a kid before she's 40. And she had to write that into a prenup for Bilal to agree to it. I think that's the issue. It's a jealousy issue because she's looking at wife number one being like, well, why does she get all the things that she wanted? Even though the, the relationship didn't work out, she has two kids and Bilal still has a close relationship with her and they still talk. She wants that. And she's not sure if she's going to get that from Bilal. Do you see what I'm saying? I think that's the issue. So I think she feels insecure and, you know, first wife, kids versus her being older with no kids. That's what I think it is. As simple as that. And so Shahida comes in. She's like, you know, I'm not apologizing because what am I apologizing for? And Shada's like, you know, I felt disrespected. I felt you were aggressive and you were full of rage. And then they played the the playback, the clip, and there was no rage in there. There was no aggressiveness in there. We all saw it. Why is she acting like it was more than it was? Oh, you're acting that way because really, it's not really about that. It's about you're jealous of this woman that has your husband's two babies and you got zero babies by him and you don't know if you'll ever have them because he's being flighty about it. That's what this is about. Call it what it really is. And that's what Shahida said. Did I yell at you? And I was like, exactly. Did she? No. But Shida came in with boxing gloves on. Oh, no. Shida said, you came in with boxing gloves on. And I was like, really? When? Am I missing the segment, you guys? Because the segment they played is not what I saw. I didn't see Shahida come in guns a-blazing, being aggressive and full of rage. I mean, maybe rage means something different in Trinidad, but 
I don't think so. Um, so Shada's feelings were hurt and she wants an apology and says, you know, you came in ranting and raving um, and you wanted to ban me. She wanted to ban her from the house and Bilal's listening to all of this back and forth and Shida's, in my opinion, doing the most. And Bilal's like trying to stay neutral and he realizes he's in a hard place because he wants to support his wife. That's who he, he goes to bed with. But he also wants to still have a good relationship with the mother of his children, right? Because they have to interact for the rest of their lives because that's their kids. I get it. But in my opinion, I think they're both tripping. I think Shida's tripping and I think Shahida's tripping, but I think for different reasons. I think Shida's tripping because she's making this issue about the prenup, about Shahida, when really her aggression should really be towards her husband. And I think Shahida lost it in this moment because she realized that she didn't do anything and she's not going to come for coffee and be called out and be told that she's full of rage and aggressive, aggressive, aggressiveness. She's like, if you want to see aggressiveness, this is aggressiveness. And she gets up and starts yelling and pointing. There's a difference. If you want to see it, then I'll show you it. And when she says to get your girl to Bilal and says, uh, she goes to Bilal, get your girl because Southeast Diego will be up in here real quick. I laughed because she flipped it. You haven't seen that like street girl who's, you know, proper Muslim girl come out, but she's like, you want me to be full of rage and aggression? Let me bring out the Southeast Diego girl and then you'll see. You'll have to come get your girl. <laughs> she goes on to say, you don't know me. You don't know me like that, girl. You don't know me. And she goes on to say, you know, you're putting something on me that's not on me, which is exactly what I'm saying. You're not about, you're not mad at me about this. You're mad about to, at Bilal. You're mad about the prenup. You're mad that you don't have a baby. You're mad that you may not get a baby by 40. And you don't know because your, your husband is wishy-washy, two by four. So Shahida leaves. Um, and she's like, as she's leaving, she's like, you know, you better watch who you're talking to. And then Shida, in my opinion, came with a really shit attitude. And Bilal was upset about it. And I would be upset about it too. And so he just gets up. He's like, let's go. And they're silent in the car. He doesn't say anything because he's like, I don't want to say anything that I'm going to regret. She doesn't say anything because she still has the same attitude that she came in with. And, you know, she thought that she was, she hasn't done anything wrong. Well, Shida, you did wrong. Your attitude was shit and you made it tense for everyone and no one liked it. And now it's worse than ever. Uh, Jocelyn says, I agree with you when she accused her of bringing rage to her home was ridiculous. I never heard rage or even angry voice. She's jealous. Exactly. Exactly. 100%. Anyways, you guys, thank you so much for watching and being here. Don't forget to like and subscribe. For those of you guys that watch 90 Day, 90 Day UK, uh, I'm going to be doing that shortly. This show ran a little bit longer, so I'll see you in a few minutes. Bye for now.